So, this is episode 18 of The Swedish Winger. I am Lars, your host, and this might just be the last episode ever recorded while there still is a Twitter around, at least according to some professor in New York. As a teacher in religion, though, and history, I can only say that predicting the Armageddon has been a thing for quite a while. I would even dare to say at least 2,000 years. So I won't hold my breath for Twitter to collapse in just a week, but we'll see. We live in interesting times. Since my last recording, we lost 2-8 to the the Rangers after a six-goal collapse in the third period. And we had a game versus the Kings where we were trailing 4-1 before we had two goals in the third to make the score look better. The only really positive takeaways for me from that game, or those games, is that Jonathan Berggren got to play, he got called up finally, and as far as I reckon, I think he proved that he does belong in the NHL rather than the the AHL, and... and, um, it also poses the question further down the road is what happens when we're a fully healthy team. If Bergen continues to play like he has in these two games and he is productive, which I think he would be, can you really send him down? And what does that do to Jonathan Bergen on a personal level as well as a professional level? I think that if he performs like this and stays productive, he's here for the season which means someone has to go down. And um, the easy answer, I guess, is Elmer Blom. I disagree, naturally, uh, because it's Elmer Blom. You can't demote him. No, but rather, I have um, another reason for my objection, and that is that Jonathan Berggren might be the perfect partner for Elmer Blom. He um, reminds me a little bit of of Ryan Lash, who played with Elmer in uh, Frölunda, with the uh, elite-level vision and playmaking. And he's a bit of a combination between Ryan Lash and Victor Arvidsson, who plays in, in Los Angeles. And um, if you get those two with, let's say, Joe Valeno, I think we would have a formidable third line. And it should be at least tested before we, we demote Lord Elmer to the AHL. But I agree, Elmer Söderblom hasn't been as productive as he was in the beginning of the the season, and there's probably reasons for that as well. I mean, his his line, the three um, XL line, triple XL line with Sundqvist, Rasmussen, and um, Söderblom, it kind of got broken up with the injuries. So we'll see where where that end up, ends up in the future but i do think that demoting Söderblom it might have some positive effects but uh, all in all i reckon that he should get a chance to play with Jonathan Bergen he should get a chance to play with players that complements him and his play style to get the most out of Elmer because if you look at Elmer from the time in Frealunda he was the most productive when he got top line minutes or at least third line minutes with players who could find him in open spaces because Elmer is pretty good at finding spots on the ice where he 
He's a sneaky player like that. I mean, he's enormous, but still he managed to disappear from from uh, his defenders. So he gets open, and uh, with his range and, and skill, he can perform formidably in the offensive zone, as we saw in the SHL. So demoting him straight off because Jonathan Bergen is good, I think that's a mistake. There are other players we, we could uh, demote or try to trade. That also poses the question what to do with with Philip Salina when he comes back. And um, I don't know. Do you put a guy as highly touted that he, as he was, as high of a draft pick as he was on the fourth line? Because even though he's playing kind of good defensively and he's, he's looking good at some parts of the ice, I'm not entirely sure that where his trajectory is, is to the liking or to the benefit of the team as a whole he hasn't scored a point yet and um, i'm not i'm not sure there is a future for him in detroit but it's going to be interesting to see we can't send him down because he'll be going through waivers and he will most definitely get picked up so at some point you have to i wouldn't say cut your losses but if I were Steve Eiserman, and I'm definitely not, if someone waved a second rounder for Sedina for me right now, I'd take it in a flash. Top half uh, second rounder, like uh, a 30, 40 something pick. I think you recoup what you can from Sedina and hope he succeeds somewhere else. But we'll see. I mean, I wouldn't mind if he did stick around and we, we get some use of him anyhow i mean right now he feels like he's not even going to become as good as thomas tatar or or Yeri hoodler if you want to compare him to previous czech wingers but i wouldn't really call him a complete bust just yet so it's it's difficult i find it very hard to to see a path forward for sadina when everybody who's getting called up performs as well I mean, Sharnik has been more interesting as a player to watch than Philip Sadina. At least I reckon so. So we'll see where we end up going forward. Another guy that kind of worries me right now is Nedeljkovic. Because he has not looked great at the start of the season. Uh, but Huso has also been in on a blowout. So I said before the season that I consider that with the new coaching set up with the new head coach and the new assistants and um, a fresh start for the goaltenders and the defensive core that we wouldn't be blown out as much but i reckon we've already been blown out way too often and uh, i find it problematic sure there has been a couple of soft goals and soft plays and i reckon that Gustav Lindström at Oberhegg has been taking a fair bit of criticism. And criticism is absolutely warranted in their, uh, in how they played. It's not sexy. It doesn't look good. It does look discombobulated from time to time. But they're not the only defenders that are in on goals against. So everybody needs to share the blame there. I do have a theory here that might be absolutely harebrained stupid nonsense, but hear me out, or don't, as you feel it yourself, but we hired Bob Boner, just kidding, Bob Bugner in the offseason, and um, 
he's supposed to take care of the defensive side of the coaching and i can imagine he has some some input in the training and speaking to the defenders and right now i'm not impressed with any of our defenders or their or how stable they've been i feel that they're flying between high and low all the time they're they're not like even keeled they mix uh, great things with horrible things i really like uh, ben Charot's, um effort level and aggressiveness but he also does a fair few boneheaded things from time to time and, and looking at boners boogners history in the one and a half season he had when he was in florida and this is just from the top of my head there was a lot of goaltender struggling and poor defensive play it was not a great team sure but they weren't that bad they had ekblad and they had mackenzie Weger, i reckon but all in all they were quite poor defensively he had like one decent season and then after a poor one he was fired and then he was hired by San Jose. And with the Sharks, I seem to recall a team that had absolutely trash defense and goaltenders that fell off massively. I don't know if their stats actually fell off. I think they faced enough shots to to stay uh, above 90% save. But um, I remember Martin Jones going from being quite good in LA Kings to being absolute shit in the Sharks. But I'm not entirely sure that that was during the Bogner era. I think it was. I seem to remember everybody turning to trash when he was in the Sharks. Maybe I'm being unfair here and uh, maybe I'm completely talking out of my ass. I would be happy to see some of the more math inclined statisticians 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 that's the word i'm looking for um i had a evan lobsinger moment there with booze boudreau or zach wierenski that's from the wing wheel podcast i think most of the poor sods that listen to me listens to them so you know who he is uh again i might be talking way weird dumb speculative but I'm not entirely sure that he's innocent to our struggles or in terms of our struggles. I think there's a lot here to unpack and I would leave that to those smarter than I am. I'm no stats guy. I'm definitely no math guy. So this is pure speculation on my part. But I guess that's what podcasting is for. But there are struggles in the defense that I think is uncharacteristic. Even with Blashill and the blowout blowouts we had with Blashill that was just um, Blashill's last season more or less because he tried to play a sound defensive game and yes I mean we're we're 20% into the first season of Lalon and um, his system has probably not settled or become ingrained in the players yet but there are trends here that I really don't like and the uh, the giving up when the game is over is one of them. I think that's disgraceful. Sure, it can happen once in a blue moon, but it's happening a bit too frequently and um, it has to mean something. And I refuse to believe that the only reason Moritz Sider hasn't looked as good is because he has a new D partner in Ben Charot because he was carrying... 
Danny De Kaiser until he got Mark Stoll, and he won the the Calder with that. And I'm not entirely sure that it's a sophomore slump either, but maybe just maybe the defensive systems we are implementing right now is not to the benefit of the styles of our defenders or our goaltenders, because Gustav Lindström, while not being the best defender in any way, he was a solid defender previously, and he has suddenly turned to this, uh, he's become this insecure player that handles the, the, the puck like it's a live hand grenade. Same with Robert Hegg, he doesn't know where to be on the ice, he, he looks, I would say, confused. And confused is the expression I would use on myself when I notice that Oli Matta and Philip Hronik is the most solid defensive pairing we have right now but even they have moments where you just you you can almost feel your hair turning gray live in the moment and i said that when the the season started that this is a team where i do think the lack of skill on d will mean we're going to have a hell of a time getting out of our own zone if we get hemmed in if you put enough pressure on this team and push them back to their own zone we don't have the skill to get out which was one of the reasons that I wanted to see Simone Edvinson in the in the NHL to start, but I do think in hindsight that it might be better for him to play in the AHL, but they really need, or we need, um, a defender that can calm things down, that can hold the puck in the zone without being wrestled as soon as there's pressure. Mort Sider was that defender last year, and he isn't now so there has to be a reason for that he does look very frustrated so there might be a problem there so that's that's one of the things that i think we should expect that this is addressed and i I do expect that this is addressed within the team because something is not clicking defensively it does look bad and i even though it's early and it's new coach and everything bad habits needs to be nipped in the bud and giving up games because you're you're pretty much out of it is is not acceptable. There has to be more fight. But the um, the Bogner issue has been gnawing at me for a little while now, and I I just felt that I needed to to bring it up. It's probably nothing. It's just probably me just trying to find a reason why everything turned to shit so fast. But we're still decently placed in the the standings, although. I think even those who were most positive going into this season, dreaming about the playoffs or the wild card spot, has has since then landed in a more will be decent idea. But I do think that it would serve us better if we we didn't win as much. Cause looking at what the the Swedish super prospect Leo Carlson is doing in the SHL right now and with the the junior national team I would say it's absolutely insane he is so dominant that I wouldn't be surprised if he went second I hope he doesn't because I don't think we'll pick second but if there ever was a time where the Detroit Red Wings should win the lottery it's this year the only thing that scares me is uh, Mitchkov because I really don't think we should pick a Russian considering it's not against Russians, but considering how the world is looking right now. Because um, I think there's a reality where since the KHL are struggling to get imports because most national teams ban them for na- from national play if they go to the KHL, 
I think they're gonna clamp down hard on on Russian young prospects or Russians players overall who has a spot to or a part to play in the KHL. I think they won't allow them to leave. Like the uh, the Philadelphia goaler whose name escapes me at the moment, who was sent to a, a military base in Murmansk because he was signing with the Philadelphia Flyers rather than re-signing in the, in the KHL. He has since, since then re-signed in the AHL, or rather the KHL, and um, I think he's reinstated, I think he's playing again. But still, drafting a Russian with a high pick where the Red Wings are right now, it would scare me a lot. And now that Bushelnikov signed his, was it a two or three year extension in, in uh, Ska, I'm not entirely happy with that. Even though he's a second round pick, we won't see him until he's, well, basically Sadina's age. He won't be over, so... And looking at the competition, the quality of the KHL and the quality of opposition for the Russian national team right now is kind of trash. They're playing, like, intern games between the national team and the U20 team. They're playing... Uh, Belarus, who's an absolute shit show when it comes to national team play. So that's not good. I don't think the development in Russia is as good as it has been because KHL is not as good as it has been. So we'll see. Uh, I'm I'm not enjoying that fact for, for a second that he has signed a, a more than one year contract with the the KHL club he's in so but we'll see I did ask for Twitter questions uh, with a bit of a short notice but I got a couple Lods uh, asked me if would be keen to know whether you think Lord Elmer should stay up with a big club or go to Grand Rapids for more minutes and conditioning well since he's injured right now a conditioning stint sure but I do think I'd prefer to see him with Jonathan Berggren and Valeno or Jonathan Berggren Elmer and Kopp for at least a game or two and I don't think this season matters enough for them not to try it so I would keep him up to see if if there's a way to activate him to see him see if he with other players with more skilled players if he can regain some confidence and get some scoring opportunity. And Joe asked, um, is there a world where Bergeron and Raymond will finally be together for an extended time? I hope so. If Bergeron stays up and Elmer goes down, I think Lalonde, I wouldn't say he would be dumb not to try it, but I think he should. I think he should feel that it's worth to try it because they would complement each other so well but would it be with Dylan Larkin I don't know there's a lot of interesting combination you can, you can go there I mean you could go Barry Green Kopp and Raymond and then you go Bertuzzi Larkin Kubalik uh, and that that would be a formidable one-two punch I reckon I did get a question question from Derek Lindo um there had been an announcement that SHL games would be broadcast on ESPN. Has there been any updates on this? Also, how has Marco Casper's season after draft compared to other Red Wings uh, first round picks? Thanks, and I love the work you put into this. Well, thanks for that. Uh, I wouldn't... Sure, there's work I do put into this, but it's not that I do this just for fun, so... I'm glad that you guys enjoy it, those of you who do. 
As far as an announcement between the SHL and the ESPN, I have no idea. I think most of you who are in North America are better situated to find that information or hear that information than I am. It's uh, it should have been it would have been a cool thing if you could see the SHL games in North America, because it's a quality league with entertaining games. So. It's a pity that they're not using the license if they have it. And the uh, how has uh, Marco Casper's season after drafts compared to other Red Wing first round picks? He's been awesome. He's been absolutely fantastic. The only one who's comparable lately is as a forward, naturally. I can't compare him to Moritz Sider because Moritz Sider is more comparable to Simone Edvinson. And I, their seasons were great both of them casper's season compares closely to lucas raymond's season and you, you can see that there's really elite talent there and um, if you've listened to what i've been saying earlier uh, or rather quite well around the draft before and after we picked marco casper there was a lot of talk about him not having the offensive uh, firepower to be a truly elite center which i kind of scoffed at because you could see it was there all along but now he's showing it production wise as well because he's been really really good with regla i would say he's their best center uh, if not their best player <laughs> together with william valinder who's another red wings prospect so those two players are really looking like home runs for their organization they are absolutely awesome to watch. So, to summarize, I think there's a discussion to be had about how we play defensively. And there might be a Bob Bogner discussion somewhere in there, considering his history with both Florida and San Jose. I mean, you can easily compare... Well, it might be unfair, naturally, since he was injured and he's had itch issues and he's put so much, much effort into rehabbing but you can look at Eric Carlson without Bob Bogner around and what he's doing but that might be harsh and unfair on my part but when the defenders play as poorly as they do and the goalies struggle as they do and there's a history from San Jose to the Panthers I think there's there's reason to 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 wonder at least but I leave the actual if there ever is a discussion to those more qualified in that department than I am with the numbers and the stats, it shouldn't be that complicated though. And there's a Sadina discussion that is also needing to be addressed at some point. There is a point where you have to cut bait and just, it is what it is. And just look at it as we got Kubalik for free. Yes, he's two years older, but he's producing. If Sadina was producing like Kubalik is, we'd be over the moon, every one of us. But sadly, he isn't. So that's all for me for this episode. I hope you enjoy it and I'll catch you for the episode 19, which I will probably record sometime close to this weekend or next week if you have any feedback or questions contact me on my twitter accounts at lorstochel or ts winger on twitter as long as there is a twitter to contact anyone on maybe just maybe incel sauron has killed it all and the orcish incel hordes have taken over goodbye for now and i'll see you around